everybody. Welcome to church. You guys look great and sound great. Uh, what a good day to be here. Welcome to everybody, all of our other City Hope locations. It's great to have Mobile with us and Foley, um, all you guys watching online, and of course, Home in Prison. Can we give it up for Home in Prison? <clears throat> we are excited that you guys have joined our family. Um, and then next week, in just seven days, we launch our seventh campus in Baymanette. Anybody excited about Baymanette? It's going to be absolutely incredible. We'll have a 9 and 11 o'clock service there next weekend. So if you know anybody in the area that lives up, up that way, uh, be sure to let them know. There's some images floating around on Facebook. You can grab hold of those um, and help us share them, get them out. Um, let's make next weekend a huge day in Baymanette. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, well, this is part two of our brand new series, Sticks and Stones. Um, for those of you that missed out last week, I hope you'll go back and kind of uh, take a look at that and, and watch that. Um, I'm going to give you a quick little recap, but basically, uh, in a nutshell, we're talking about sticks and stones. And we all know the, uh, the little nursery rhyme, the little thing that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We all know that that is completely untrue, right? We've been lying to children forever. For as long as there have been kids, we've been lying to them and telling them that words do not hurt because words do hurt, and we all know that. Um, however, on the flip side, as Proverbs 18 says, not only do words have the power of death, they hurt, but they also have the power of life. Um, and it's up to us to choose. You know, It's up to us to use those words um, the way that God would want us to use those words, to bring life to other people. Um, so we have the ability to choose life or death, to speak life or death um, into our life, into people, um, into everything. And we talked about last week how, um, you know, words are a gift. Plain and simple, words are a gift. God gave us this gift um, so that we could connect to him, first and foremost. You know, more than anything, God wants a relationship with us. I mean, isn't that really, really cool that the, the God of the universe that created everything wants to know you? Right? He wants to know you. Listen, people, us, every single one of us, every single one of the seven billion people on the planet, or however many there are now, right? Every single, we are the reason, we are everything to God. We are the most important thing to him. And he gave us the ability to speak, he gave us the ability to use words so that we could connect to him. Oh, because he wants a relationship, that's it. He wants to know you. He wants to, you know, he wants to know everything about you. You know, the way that we build a meaningful relationship with anyone in your life, the way that you got that meaningful relationship was by using your words. You connected, you talked, you opened up your life, you shared, which is exactly what God wants from you. He gave you the ability to use words, to speak a language, to speak these words so that you could connect to him. And our life gets so much better whenever we keep this open con you know, connection, communication with him. Secondly, last week we talked about how words connect us to each other. You know, words are the, are, are the reason why your relationships work, and they're the reason why typically relationships fall apart. It's our words. They connect us to one another, or they can break us apart. Um, so this week, I want to take it a little step further. We're going to get a little bit more practical this week. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more, um, a little bit of a different route. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about the death side of our words. Um, we're actually going to talk about deadly sins of our tongue. Because our tongue speaks life and death, of course there is a death side. And unfortunately, so many of us are habitually stuck in the pattern of speaking death. 
we speak these things without even thinking about it sometimes. I mean, how, how often does that happen to you when you're just in life, you know, someone says something to you or something happens, and before you even register in your mind, something comes out of your mouth, and you're trying your best to get it back, and you're like, oh, why did that come out of my mouth? Anybody? Right? You don't even really think. Like, it's not, it's not necessarily something that you, you make a conscious decision that, hey, I'm going to be mean. Hey, I'm going to be hurtful. Hey, I'm going to say this. All of a sudden, before you realize it, it just skips part of your brain and jumps straight to your mouth. And boom, it's out there, and then it's out there. And there is no getting it back. It's there. And then some of you, you're okay with that. You're like, yeah, whatever. That's just kind of the way I roll. And then some of you are wanting to know God, and you're wanting to have a close relationship. But you're like, man, I wish that I could stop. I wish that I could change the things that come out of my mouth. I wish that I could speak differently. You know, this whole problem of negative words or words that are hurtful, words that bring death, this entire problem comes from our heart, which is maybe a little bit of a scary thing. You know, that the Bible says that it begins and it starts in our heart. Ultimately, this problem of speaking death comes from our heart. Um, you guys probably are familiar with this scripture, but in Matthew 12, um, let's read this together. It says this, and this is verse 34. It says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. That's, that's for real, right? That's for real. So what it's saying is ultimately these things that you wish you didn't say, you know, the things that you wish you could take back, the things that sometimes you just kick yourself, they're ultimately coming from your heart. It's not an accident. It's not, it's not just one of those things. It's because your heart still has enough negative in it and bad and sin and thoughts and all these things that that's what's naturally coming out, coming out of your mouth. So how do we change your heart? I'm going to tell you real quick how you change your heart. You change your heart by putting as much of God inside of you as you possibly can. You open up a connection, a relationship with him. You read his word. You study his word. You sing worship songs. You, you, know, you go to small group and you talk about issues in life and you have relation, relationships with other believers and you, and you listen to messages and you, you study his word. I mean, all these things you pray and you pray and you pray. Like we talked about last week, pray without ceasing. These are the ways that you put as much of God inside your life as you possibly can. And the second thing is, is you begin to make decisions based off of all of that God that you're putting inside your life. Because ultimately, you get to make a decision. Ultimately, you're deciding whether or not you want to live this way or that way. The more of God you put inside of you, the bigger that side of your life gets. And then you can begin to make some decisions that hopefully reflect the God that's inside of you. And you begin to think a little differently and you begin to kind of go, okay, well, how would God respond to this? You know, how would, the, how would the word encourage me to respond to this situation? And you, and you pause, and you take a moment, and the next thing you know, you're not just firing at the mouth. You're not just shooting off at the mouth, right? All of a sudden, there's this moment to just stop and reflect. And you go, okay, wait a minute. How would God respond? So I've entitled this, Think Before You Speak. Because ultimately, that's what we need to do. We need to learn to stop and think before we speak. Okay, we got to put a lot of God inside of us, and then we got to make the decisions uh, to live out and speak out life. 
from our mouth and everything that we do, we've got to speak life. So, we're going to talk about five things. And this, let me just go ahead and just tell you, you're not going to love this. You're not going to love it. Okay? But I'm telling you, you better love it. Okay? Because you, I, I pray, and I hope right now that your heart is open. Okay, let me just encourage you to do this. No elbows. No eyes down the row. Okay, none of that stuff. Okay, this is, this is you and God right now. Okay, this is between you and God right now. But these things, they're, they were painful for me to talk about. Because they're real issues. This is super practical. These are things that most of us deal with in some way. Now, some of these topics... Some of these deadly sins, these things that bring death, some of these things, we're going to be at a 10. Some of you guys may be at a 10 or 11 on the scale. And then some of them, you may be at a 1 or a 2. But I guarantee you, one of them is going to ring your bell. One of them is going to be right in the middle of your life, and you need to hear it today. Because ultimately, it's about getting closer to God and speaking life. Okay? And that's what we're here to do. We're here to get better. We're here to get closer to God. So, so I've kind of done this. That I could have done a whole lot more, but I just kind of brought it down to five. Five sins of the tongue. And this is the way that I want to look at it is because we're talking about thinking before you speak, I'm, I'm kind of looking at them through the, the lens of five questions to ask yourself before you open your mouth. Okay, so if you have a problem with one of these things, you'll pick up on it and you'll go, okay, this is the question I need to ask myself before I respond to that, before I fire that email back, before I answer that question, before I storm into my kid's room angry and I'm, good, I'm ready to discipline. Whatever it is, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask myself this question. I'm going to think before I speak. The first one. The first one is this. Is it true? Is it true? You know, one of the things that God hates more than anything else is lying. Did you know that? God hates lying. Hates it. However, it is one of the absolute, one of the most common and widespread sins of the tongue worldwide in every single human being. A lot of us in this room have a problem with lying. Now, some of you may, you know, stretch the truth, exaggerate, little white lie here and there. It's all wrong. But then some of you have an ingrained habit of lying. I mean, to the point that it's almost like you lie for sport. I mean, it's just... Like, you know, there's no reason, there's no rhyme or reason, it just kind of comes out without you really even thinking much about it. It's just kind of what you do. But listen, God hates it. God hates it. Look at this scripture in, um, in Proverbs, Proverbs six sixteen. it says this, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Three out of those seven have to do with our mouth. Three out of the seven things that God hates have to do with our mouth. Two of them are lying. Two of them are lying. This is a really big deal. Let me tell you why God hates it so much. He hates it so much because God is truth. It's his nature. It's his character. It's not... It's not just something that he does. He doesn't just speak truth. He is truth. You cannot separate him from truth. Just like you cannot separate him from love. He and love are the same thing. He and truth are the same thing. So when we lie, we're literally going against the nature of God. 
We are separating ourselves. We are backing away. We are moving away from his character because we look nothing like him whatsoever. We're literally going against his very nature. Now, some of you, this problem of lying is so ingrained and such a part of your life that you're going to need a lot of help breaking this habit. Some of you, as a matter of fact, you know, as a young child, you know, you can get onto a kid for lying, and most of the time they learn, they get it, you know, they take the punishment, and they learn. And then some kids, some people, some of you in this room, whenever you got in trouble for lying, instead of being repentant and not doing it again, you thought, okay, next time I'm going to get better at this. Right? And you laugh because you know it's true. Right? You, you think, okay, I got, okay, so next time I need to make sure that I think through all the angles. I need to make sure that I'm thinking through every scenario, everything possible so that I don't get caught next time. Right? And it almost becomes a game. It becomes a rush. It becomes this thing that's like, let's see what I can get away with. And let's see, and so half the time it's, it's, there's no point in lying whatsoever or it's all benefiting you. You realize that lies never benefit another person. They always benefit you. You know, so it's, what can I get away with, and how far can I push the envelope, and what can I do at work to get more from me? How can I get further, faster at work? What, can I, what, what kind of thing can I do this dishonest, a lie that gets me down the road faster? It's a sin. The only way that we can get over this, and this is the way that this works for most of these sins of the tongue, the only thing that we can do is we can, we can ask someone to keep us accountable but then we also have to be correctable. We have to be correctable. Because those two things go hand in hand. Those of you that have been around church for a while, the word accountable is a, you know, it's a big deal. You know, we gotta have an accountability partner. Hopefully your spouse is, or you gotta, you know, you gotta have somebody that you're okay with them calling you on things or asking you tough questions. But none of that does any good whatsoever if you're not correctable. If they bring something to you and you're not correctable, then it does no good whatsoever. So today, those of you that potentially have this problem, this habit, and you say, okay, he's right. I want to break this habit. I want to get rid of this thing. You're going you're gonna to talk to your spouse this afternoon or you're going to, you know, on the way home today, you're going to talk to them and you're going to say, hey, listen, I have a problem with lying. And they're going to say, duh. <laughs> right? Because you're not near as good as you think you are. And then you're going to say, I need your help. I need you to help me. I need you to help me get over this. I need you to keep me accountable. And then you've got to be correctable. When, the next time you're hanging out with friends and you start to elaborate that story and it begins to get more and more extravagant and that fish is getting bigger and bigger and, you know, whatever it is, the, you know, the elephant that you slayed the last trip to, you know, Mississippi or whatever, you know, it just keeps getting more and more grand. And when you get in the car and your wife goes, honey... We need to talk. You know, how are you going to respond? Are you going to be correctable? Are you going to be okay with it? Because that's the only way that you'll break that habit. It's the only way that you'll get beyond that. So the first question, those of you that have this issue, this problem, this habit of lying, is it true? Are the words that I'm about to say, are they true? The second thing is this, does it help? Does it help? The words that I'm about to say, do they help? One of the things, the sins of the tongue that, that drives me personally the craziest is gossip because gossip never helps we like to think that it does we like to tell ourselves that it does we like to justify and you know all this kind of stuff but it never helps here's what gossip is because you probably don't know 
Gossip is spreading intimate or private uh, rumors or facts about someone else. So we typically think it's just rumors. It's just, you know, oh, I don't spread rumors. I don't, I don't do that. But it's also facts. It's things that you know are true that are private or intimate in nature, but yet you share them with other people. Well, it's true. It's okay if I share it. No, it's not. That doesn't help anyone. That doesn't benefit anyone. It doesn't do anything to lift someone up. Um, the columnist Ann Lander, she said this years ago. She said, I love this quote. People of high intelligence talk about ideas. ideas. People of average intelligence talk about things. People of no intelligence talk about other people. Show enough. Where do you fall on that scale, right? Where are you on that thing? I mean, think about it. Because people with a great intelligence, they're going to talk about ideas and things and progression. But if you, you, you just, there's nothing else in your brain, there's no intelligence. I will just talk about other people. And it's not helpful. It's not uplifting. It's not doing anything to move anything forward. And we justify this in all kinds of ways. Right? The, probably the top of the list, because we're in church, is the prayer request gossiper. Right? Listen, I'm just telling you this so that you can pray, sister. <laughs> like, we just need to pray about it. Okay, but are you praying about it? I mean, how, many, how much time, how many hours have you spent on your knees before God sincerely lifting up this situation for a friend or a family member before you go telling somebody else, just, we just need to be praying? Right? Or how about the bless your heart gossiper? You know, oh, bless her heart. Oh, bless her heart. She's just so pitiful, and this is falling apart. You know what bless your heart means? It means you're an idiot. <laughs> Anytime you say that about somebody, like, they're such a goober. They're such an idiot. Right? Bless her heart. She's just such a mistake. <laughs> it's gossip. Um, how about the um, uh, you got to love that guy gossip? Man, you got to love that guy, but boy, he's messing up right now. Man, you got to love that guy, but boy, I wish he'd make better decisions, right? You've heard all of these. And then lastly, I'm just telling the truth, gossiper. Hey, I'm just telling the truth, man. I'm just telling the truth, right? You know you've heard it. People are like, hey, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling you how it is. It's gossip. It doesn't matter how you flavor it, how you hide it, how you disguise it. It's gossip. From God's viewpoint, if you aren't a part of the problem or essential to the solution, there's no reason to talk about it. There's no reason to talk about a private matter in someone else's life, whether it's true or not. If you're not helping it, you're hurting the situation. Um, two quick scriptures. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says this, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Proverbs 16 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Gossip destroys. Gossip hurts. If your ears perk up whenever you hear have you heard? Then you have a problem with gossip. When the, the last time you hung out with friends and it was just you and a bunch of friends, what was the topic of conversation? Were you telling someone else's story or were you telling the story of the people in the room? You know? Like, where, where, where you taught, what did you hear about so-and-so? You know, they got a divorce. And you hear about this guy over here, he went bankrupt. Or this guy over here, he just had a huge settlement. They're loaded now. And you got this guy over here, they got, Right? You know, we're catching up, right, or whatever. But listen, you're not, you don't, that's not your business to share someone else's stuff. I love this story Joyce Meyer tells where she, um, God told her, um, you know, what would you do if you walked into a room and everyone in that room were talking about your daughters? 
And Joyce Meyer said, well, I would leave the room immediately. And God said, that's exactly what I do when people talk about my kids. That's exactly what I do. I leave the room. Think about that. The next time you begin to share someone else's stuff, God just left the room. God just walked out of you. I mean, he just stepped away and said, you know what? You can have it. That's not me. That's not my heart. That's not the way I live. So I'm leaving. Gossip hurts. It destroys. So if you have a problem with gossip, ask yourself the question, does it help? Third thing, is it inspiring? The words that you're about to say, are they inspiring? Uh, years ago, back when Saturday Night Live was actually good, um, there was a sketch on there that had, um, you guys maybe remember Debbie Downer? Anybody? We remember Debbie Downer? Okay. All right. So here's the thing. Is it inspiring? Is it uplifting? Is it encouraging? Or is it a Debbie Downer statement? Okay, Debbie Downer, okay, the, the main sketch, the most popular one is the, you know, the whole family is at Disney World, happiest place on the planet, everything is wonderful and awesome, and they kind of go around the table and everybody's sharing about how great life is and, at Disney World, and then it gets to Debbie Downer, and what does she do? She brings the party down, and when she does, the camera zooms in and it goes, wah, wah, wah. Anybody remember this? Some of you know people, again, don't point, some of you know people that literally have that sound effect follow them around. <laughs> that they walk in the door and you go, wah, 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 here we go. What negative Nancy statement are we about to say? What Debbie Downer thing is about to come out of their mouth, right? We all know people like that. Now, you may be like that. You may have that negativity and that complaining mindset. Um, but here's the thing. Listen, from a negative heart, um, overflows negative words, which generally become negative actions, which lead to a miserable life. Because as you speak, you're speaking it into your life. Have you ever met a person that is truthfully joyful and happy that complains a lot? Have you ever met somebody that just loves life, man? Just joyful, smiles, content, just happy with life, but yet everything comes out of mouth is complaining. No, you haven't. Because it's powerful in that way. I love what Pastor Jimmy Evans says. He says, negativity is simply the devil's language spoken by those who have his perspective. You know why? Because negativity is simply unbelief. Negativity and complaining, complaining is simply unbelief. That's not God's language. God's language is faith. Because with God, anything is possible. So when we begin to speak unbelief and negativity and complaining and we're looking at the downside of everything, we're speaking the enemy's language. He wants you to do that. Now listen, I'm not saying that faith means we only see the positive. No, what it, mean, it doesn't mean that you can't see the problem. It just means that you see past the problem to the answer. You can identify the problem. This is a problem. I'm sick. But then identify the answer that Jesus promised me health. He wants me to be whole, or he created doctors, he created medicine, there's hope, there's life, there's something, you know, God has an answer, there is an answer, the world is not all bad because God is in it. So we can look past all the neg negativity, all the problems, and see God, see good. It's not that we can't identify the problem, it's just we look past it and we see the good, we see the answer. We have to learn to live life by faith. You know, our Christian life, our Christian walk with God began with faith. When you prayed the prayer, you prayed it in faith. 
When you accepted Christ into your life, you prayed that prayer and you believed it in faith. It doesn't stop there. A life of faith doesn't stop on that day. We're meant to live out, we're supposed to walk out our faith every single day and live a life of faith. And everything that we do, Galatians 2.20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Right? He's not gonna abandon you, he's not gonna forget you. He has, there are promises of God that you can hold on to. We've gotta learn to live by faith, to walk by faith in everything that we do. And you know what, learn to be grateful. We live in the most blessed place on the planet. There are so many things that we have going for us, but yet complainers and negativity type people, they just want to see the negative. They want to point to, I know the news is negative, and I know all the other stuff is negative, but you know what? God's not. And when all this other stuff goes away, 100,000 years from now, when everything is different, God will not be. He will be the same. Jesus will be the same that he is right now. So no matter what happens in our world, we have Jesus. We have life in him. We have God Almighty. So let's be grateful. Let's learn to live by faith. Is it inspiring? Is it uplifting? So number four, and we'll move on. Number four is, is it necessary? Is it necessary? How many times have you been to a movie, and you walk out of the movie, and you go, man, is all that language really necessary? Anybody? All right, you walk out of it, and you go, man, it was a great movie, but I could have done with a whole lot less bad language okay here's the thing that this is a really fun one everybody loves this one um because if you don't know this cursing is a sin did you know that cursing is a sin and i'm gonna tell you why real quick um you know and and there's a reason why we call it cursing because cursing is cursing you you put you, you picking up what i'm putting down kind of thing everybody getting that Okay, we think because, you know, in our culture, cursing has kind of become cussing, right? And it just kind of, you know, are down here in the South cussing. <laughs> Man, all that cussing stuff. Right, it's just kind of become cussing. Um, but here's the thing, cursing is much more broad than just bad language. Okay, the Bible speaks specifically to cursing. Cursing is a really, really big big deal because we're meant to speak blessings and speak life not curses so when you're cursing guess what you're doing you're cursing right and a lot of times we don't put that together that speaking curse words or cursing something is actually cursing something it's not just you know the voodoo witch doctors on cartoons and stuff that curse things it's us with our mouth the words that we speak we curse let's take one one specific word that we all know and i'm in church but it's a biblical word um, but the word damn, you know, ultimately that word means damnation. It means sending someone to eternal punishment in hell. The worst possible place that a human being could go, we're condemning, that is condemning them to hell forever, for eternity. But yet we speak that word over people, over our businesses, over our families, over our fishing trips, right? Over every, we, we, we speak those kind of words over everything, and then we wonder why our businesses aren't successful. We wonder why our marriages aren't successful. Those of you that have a habitual problem with speaking this kind of language, you're constantly putting curses 
on your life. Listen to this. This, is, this scripture sums it up so well. Psalm 109, 17 says this. As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing, as with his garment, so let it enter his body like water and like oil into his bones. God's word is simply saying that a person who prefers cursing over blessing will have more personal cursing in their life than blessing in their life. You can't play with mud and stay clean. So as these things are spewing out of your mouth, you're cursing yourself. You're cursing your own life. You're cursing your own situations and contexts and circumstances. I mean, you're, you're putting that on you. And some of you have been doing that for years. You've been speaking that way for years. And you're cursing your life. You're cursing the things that are so important to you. You're cursing them. Same deal. Are you accountable? And can you be correctable? We've got to break these habits. Is it necessary? Is cursing really necessary? No, it's not. Just like you say about that movie, it'd be a whole lot better without all that cursing. So will your life. Um, the fifth thing, is it kind? Is it kind? You know, we, as a society, as a culture, um, we just have a real way with hurtful and harmful words. Using our words to just slice and dice and hurt people. And some of you, some people in our world, it's just part of what they do. And they're okay with it. They don't care who they hurt. And then some of us that maybe are a little bit you know, further down the road, we like to think that we can cover it up and we can hide it by using terms like, I was just kidding. Right? And you think that that lets you off the hook from letting those hurtful words out there. Or one of my favorite is, if you guys remember old Ricky Bobby, whenever he said, with all due respect, and then he like was so mean and so hurtful. Does anybody remember that? Right? That he just thinks that because he says the words with all due respect, that it makes it all go away and it makes it okay. Like, no offense, but you're an idiot. Like, you can't get offended by that. I said no offense. Right? Or it's the same thing with kidding. Like, you can be so mean and so hurtful, and then we say, man, I'm just kidding. Why are you so sensitive? It's just a joke. Get over it. Let it go. Move on. With words, you cannot move on. You cannot let it go. That does not let us off the hook at all. Hurtful and harmful words affect people. And the Bible refers to this. Listen to um, Proverbs 20, uh, 26, verse 18. It says, people who shrug off deliberate deception saying, I didn't mean it, I was only joking, are worse than careless campers who walk away from smoldering campfires. It's careless. I, I, as a 10 or 11-year-old kid, I can remember um, there was one particular time that we went camping, me, me and all the neighbor buddies. We went out kind of behind one of the neighbor's houses in the woods. We thought we were going to be so cool. And about midnight, we decided we weren't that cool. We went back in the house. But of course... We left the campfire burning. We came back the next morning, and probably an 80 or 90-foot diameter around that campfire was completely burned to the ground. Our tent was burned, our sleeping bags, our backpacks, everything was burned. But what was really scary is 150 feet away was a house, and another house, and another house. The only thing we thought about was ourselves. We're scared, it's cold, we don't want to be out here anymore, whatever, so we go inside. We never took into account 
what that fire could do. And James, very in the, in the book of James, it talks about that our mouth is a spark. It's a flame. We set fires with our mouth. And some of you have intentionally set fires with your mouth. And then some of you have just carelessly walked away. You've just let it burn. And you've walked away. And you think that you can hide it with it. I'm just kidding. You think that you can let it go, but you can't. It hurts people. It hurts the ones that you love so, so much. It hurts them. How many fires have you started? Are the words that you're speaking kind or are they harmful? Are they hurtful? Are they damaging people? Mother Teresa said this. She said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. They're short. They're easy to speak. They're these gentle, kind words that last forever. They last, they're, they're that powerful. They last forever. The hurtful words that you've spoken, they're not going to go away. The enemy wants you to think that once they're forgotten, their influence is gone. But that's not the case. It will live on. But your helpful and, and kind words will last even longer. Let me wrap up with this story that I heard. There's a, um, a leadership guru by the name of Ken Blanchard. Some of you guys probably have heard of him. He's um, written a bunch of books and stuff. But he tells this story um, that he was, uh, he was doing a training for um, a bunch of grocery store employees. And he was trying to help this certain chain kind of improve their culture and improve their stores and all this kind of stuff. And so one of the talks that he gave was on the power of words. And he talked about how... Um, words give life. He talked about how encouraging words really affect people and influence people. And there was one particular um, bagger that sent him a letter a week or two later, and this is what he said. His name was Johnny. And Johnny said this. He said, I'm 19 years old. I have Down syndrome, and I work as a bagger at a grocery store. He said, I went back to the store, and I didn't know how to apply your statements. He said, I liked your talk, but I didn't know what to do with it. I'm just a bagger. I went home, and I talked with my dad and then we got an idea. My dad and I sat down at the computer, and every day we come up with a statement that's affirming of people, that's encouraging, something that's uplifting. And if I can't find one in a little quote book, I'll make it up. He said, we'll type it up six different times on a piece of paper and run off 50 copies. He says then he actually signs every single one. He cuts it up, and he has a stack right next to his bagging station. So about a month later, the manager of this grocery store that he works at calls Ken Blanchard and says, you're not going to believe what this has done to our store. See, what Johnny does is every, every grocer that, you know, every person that comes through with their bags, the last bag, he puts this little note in their bag. And he tells them, hey, I put something special in this bag. I hope that it brightens your day. And this manager said, in just a month, the entire culture of our store has changed. She said, people line up at Johnny's line, line up to the frozen fruit food section just so they can get his encouraging note of the day. She said, we'll come on the intercom and we'll say, hey, look, there's other lines, there's other, you know, checkout stations, and there's plenty of people working it, and nobody budges. 30, 40, 50 people in a line waiting, and they'll go to them and they'll say, ma'am, listen, there's another line right over here. If you want to, you know, you can just zip in and zip out. And this one particular lady said, no, 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 listen, um, I'm here for Johnny. <laughs> she said, she said I, I don't like coming to the grocery store, and I come as, you know, I, I don't like it. I come about every other week typically, but now I look for a reason to come every day. Like I'm trying to find a reason to come every single day because I want his encouraging word. 
This manager said that the culture has changed so much that even in the florist department, that instead of just throwing away flowers that maybe are not perfect or got, you know, snipped wrong or whatever, they'll go out and they'll give it to an elderly lady or they'll give it to a child. They'll do something to brighten the day. She said literally the entire store is changed. Everything about our environment is different. I had a gentleman come up to me last night after this, and he said, you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do in my business, in where I work, over in Mobile, Every single day, I'm going to figure out a way for me to speak life into people because it's the worst situation possible. There's so much death being spoken. You know, what if you took that approach into your families, into your surrounding, your, your context, your life, your circumstances, your situations, your family, and you begin to speak life, and you begin to be kind, and you begin to give life-affirming words to people? Man, what could happen? What could be changed in your life? These five things, wherever you fall on those spectrums, these five things you need to ask yourself before you speak. And I'm going to go back through them because they, they kind of they form the word think. Okay, so you can think about it this way. They form the word think. The first one is it is true or is it true? Is it true? Does it help? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? So wherever you fall, ask yourself that question. Think before you speak. Stop and allow the God in you to come out. Allow the things that you've heard, allow the life that's in you to speak into that thing, not just your mind, not just yourself, your, your flesh, yourself, but allow the God inside of you to come out. Ask yourself those questions, and let's begin to speak life into our everyday life, into everything that we do, every person that we come in contact with. Let's speak life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that we get to be here today. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us, our hearts are open and we're receiving your word today. As practical as this is, Lord, I pray that we walk away with something, Lord. God, that every one of us, no matter what, no matter our situation, uh, God, that we'll apply it to our life. And God, that we'll, we'll get better. That we'll push into you. That we'll put more of you in our life. And we'll, and we'll really begin to think about the words that we say. We'll really begin to think about, um, God, the, the, the things that we do and the, and the way that we act. Lord, give us uh, your um, anointing, your spirit in our life, God. Prick our hearts whenever we get off track. Prick our hearts whenever our words are not affirming and life-giving. Lord, we thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.